0: so i was watching this video that was about um ryan johnson how he wrote uh knives out oh, and was he was like, talking
1: who? who are we talking about? not okay, ryan I got, you now.
0: I got you why are you uh stop <laughs> josh we just you been so nice <laughs> to me so far I'm just wondering, he, he has this uh, like footstool thing here, and he's just tapping it on the ground with his foot the moment we get started recording. I've been doing it the whole time. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just push it a little farther away. <laughs> I can't reach it now, my little legs. <laughs> so anyway, Ryan Johnson was, was, was talking about how he wrote Knives Out. It's kind of like, uh, it starts as a, a whodunit, then you think you know the solution, and it kind of twists into a, a, like a thriller in the middle section. And then it goes back into a who done it at the end. Um, and he was saying that he kind of stylized that after something Alfred Hitchcock said, which was that Hitchcock hated uh, who done because he thought that the end was uh, like the twist at the end where you find out who did it was just a gimmick. Because I always wondered if he like if he did an Agatha Christie uh, book, like would it be good? Which one would he do? And I think maybe like ABC Murders would be good. Yeah.
1: Hmm. I don't know. It would have to be something. Maybe, maybe. It would have to be something with a with a, with a a 180 for sure.
0: Right. And that one kind of has a thing where you think it's the guy. So he thinks he's taken away the suspense. And then at the end, there's a twist. But it's kind of cheap that Hitchcock says that because a lot of his movies are practically like whodunity type twists like Psycho. The twist isn't until the very end, even though you're made to think it's. Norman Bates's mother. The t- mm. spoilers for Psycho, in case y'all haven't heard seen it. Don't
1: gasp!
0: What? But at the end, it's still a, it's still a twist at the very end. Yeah. And like when he did like Vertigo, he put the twist in the middle, and everybody was really mad about that back at the time.
1: That was that was great though. I, I love the twist in the middle.
0: I, yeah, I like that for Vertigo, but I'm saying I don't know that it's fair that Alfred Hitchcock thinks that all whodunits are cheap because they have they leave the twist at the end. When a lot of his movies do that same format, they're just not straight up whodunits.
1: Yes, I agree with you. That is a slightly hypocritical statement.
0: And I here I thought he was a great guy.
1: <laughs> great guy? He was a great director, but he did, he was, I don't think he was like... <laughs> And he I think his friend, like he did terrible things to his actors, and he was kind of, um, oh, what's that word when you like to cause other people pain?
0: Uh, Josh know. Taylor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've never yeah.
0: heard you. Uh-huh. I fake punched him for you. Those at home, I forgot and, this I, was and I screamed for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually think he was a good guy. He wasn't great at his job, but yeah, yeah. But I had always thought before that, what if he made a Christie? Like, it seems like they could have synced up. But then I just heard that now from Ryan Johnson's uh, essay, video essay about how he wrote um, Knives Out the other day. And he was talking about how much he was a big fan of the traditional mysteries and untraditional things that Christie wrote too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I just recently watched Knives Out for the second time and I, I, I enjoyed it more the second time. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of an attitude about it the first time.
0: Yeah, I think that the the twist is not like the greatest twist in the world. But even ignore it, because that's my only flaw with it. But uh I think just the fact that it brought back the mystery after Orient Express, but like more of a mainstream mystery and with that with the big cast and it looks so cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like
0: you give it, it cred for that. Down.
1: Yeah. And I think that it and granted i think we talked about this the last time that we discussed this but it was the person who was in the end the one who done it was the one person that i swore in my mind it definitely was not going to be them so so i maybe that's why i had an attitude with it in a way that's a good
0: yeah and benoit blanc you can't beat him it's true
1: oh uh, there's gonna be more of him someday they say
0: i can't wait I i'm excited that's all i want is more of him I can't say his name, but blanc. I blank. I'm not trying. All right.
1: <laughs> you could just say you can just say Daniel Craig, right?
0: You can say Benoit blank. I want some Mal Benoit blank. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was. Okay, that was back to your Lizzo again.
2: <laughs>
0: Let's mm. pretend like I never did a Lizzo accent. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's pretend
2: that that, <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> yeah. pretend that never happened. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea, the Agatha Christie podcast where we discuss her novels one by one. I'm Charlotte, and Zach and Josh and Lizzo are all here, too. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs>
0: how have you guys been? It's been a long time since we recorded.
1: I've been doing good. Not Lizzo. <laughs> oh,
0: I don't want to know how you are.
1: I gotta go. See you later.
0: <laughs> what? Lizzo left. How have you been, Zach? Good. I've been doing... Oh well, that's nice. Yeah, how about you, Charlotte? I'm 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 I'm
1: great. I'm well, I'm I'm. I'm, I'm you're yeah, doing I'm far better than me. Too.
2: What? Apparently, you're doing far better than me. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm well,
0: <laughs> and I'm okay. <laughs> the big
1: three. <laughs> this is the first time we haven't had a guest in a while. It's like you know a an at home game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, back to just being the, the core, which some fans say that they that that's what they that's what they jive for. It's what they live and breathe for. Yeah. They just like yeah. the trio. Yeah. They don't, don't want know, the- it's been so long though.
1: Like yeah. are, are we gonna be able to like talk to each other or is it just like gonna be all like jobs and hospital visits?
0: Well, I haven't actually spoken to Josh. I've only been communicating through written note. Yeah, which is oh, pretty slow the mail these days. Yeah, pretty slow. Plus I have terrible handwriting and so he can't read it. It's Joshua. I have no clue what he's ever but tried to say. He <laughs> writes in crayon. Writes in crayon on gum wrappers. And <laughs> I can only get a few letters in because I write so big. It's like, "Hi, Jack." <laughs> and I don't I don't just peel gum. I have to eat it. Like not eat it. I have to <laughs>
1: Well, I don't eat gum. I that's, swear. That's
0: another mistake. Rule <laughs> <laughs> so number this one: is, Don't swallow. This is the thirty. Fir- this is the 35th,
1: thirty.
0: Thirty. Thirty-fifth. <laughs> this is the thirty-fifth episode of "Don't Drink the Tea," where we are talking about the book "Murder in Mesopotamia," which actually comes before our last book, uh, "Cards on the Table." Uh, apparently, they were published the same around the same year.
1: Oh yeah. Can I gloat about that a little bit? Because in a, one of our last episodes, I was like, why is your order so weird? And you're like, I'm just following what Wikipedia tells me. And then, and then I was like, okay. And then her official list is like totally different from what we've been doing. And okay. now okay. we're going by her official list, right?
0: Okay guys. Yes. We're going by the official list. And here, here is what my thoughts on. I still think Wikipedia is closer to accurate because according to the official list of Agatha she's written like three or four books a year, which I don't think she did. I think she wrote one a year or at least published one a year. But when I looked at, I kept having to check Wikipedia, but Agatha Christie.com let you download her list into like, uh, like a PDF. So we could be able to compare and that way we could do straight, uh, US release because I've been taking away the books that just aren't available for us. Because usually they would do like a UK release of a collection of short stories, and then years later they would give it a different name and release it in the US. And we're not going to be able to find the ones in the UK. So, yes, eventually I surrendered to Charlotte and I, 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 we're going by the official Agatha Christie website list instead of Wikipedia. I did a lot of spring cleaning. First, I made,
1: and and yes, that next, uh, after, you know, my little party. Yes, you did, made some amazing lists, and you got, like, all organized, and I was so impressed. I thought that you were, like, only had two weeks to live.
0: Well, three weeks, but oh, okay. yeah, we should be able to get a few okay. episodes. Good. Also, For also the people, the few people who have argued with me about this, which, I, again, I'm always going to say that I still believe I'm right, uh, the best to worst list has now been divided into categories, so it's easier to compare. So, of course, we have the master list, which is all 26 books we've read so far, but they're also divided later on into other lists, as in just the short story collections, just the Westmacotts, just the Farrows, just the Marples, the standalone books, and the Tommy and Tuppets books. Tuppets! Oh, bang! So that'll help us compare the books a little easier.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is actually a great list, and I'm really very grateful for it.
0: And hopefully that'll help us. Because I would, when I look ahead at the reading list, I see so many bangers coming up. So many bangers. We have Death in the Nile, Appointment with Death, and Then There Were None, Evil Under the Sun, Body in the Library, The Moving Finger, all in the next decade.
1: Stop, stop, stop. I can't handle it.
0: It's so many good ones. And I just want us to keep recording and keep reading because they're all so good now. Like we are, we're getting into the, the straight up great stuff. I mean, there's a few stinkers in there. Everyone
1: but, yeah. who's held with us for so long, slogging through all of the nonsense, and we've been promising them something better. It's almost here, finally, almost.
0: Right. So if you're reading along with the books, it shall improve greatly uh, soon. You know, I did hear. Uh, you think doing that? Huh?
1: You think anyone's following along?
0: I've heard <laughs> several fans that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard several fans.
2: Wait, wait, wait!
1: wait. Is this that game again?
0: No, no, no,
2: (laughs) man! My mouth is like onions. (laughs) That's a classic.
0: (laughs) That was a real sneeze. I forgot about that. what was that game that was when we tried to get her to so guess like,
1: oh, crap, what rolling stones song did rolling I? rolling
0: stones titles <laughs> what was the mouth tastes like funniest thing i said a mouth tastes like funniest every time i successfully got her to say oh well, right and you fake sneeze every time you <laughs> successfully did and everybody thought and people genuinely love that <laughs> but what i was oh, no. what i was gonna say though was i've talked to two mm-hmm. fans lately who ha- has said that if they're even if they're not reading the books along with us, they'll listen to the episodes. Especially, say, if, they have, even if
1: they're lying, I believe them. <laughs> right,
0: and one fan was talking talking to us about how they uh, they liked one of the books that we uh, roasted uh, on the well that you roasted specifically was Man in the Brown Suit.
1: Someone liked that.
0: Well, don't don't isolate
2: our fans. I
1: want their name and number.
2: <laughs> no, they have Who to remain anonymous for their sake. <laughs> they have to remain
0: anonymous. It's, it's, man,
1: they're now they uh, they do.
0: I told them that it was more uh, you that that hated it, and that I, as a member of Don't Drink the Tea, love all our fans and uh, think there's goodness. in, oh, speak well. We have to get in the book that we're going to talk about, but I do want to say maybe I'll get a chance to talk about it this episode or next episode. I was about to say there's something that I like about every single Christie story, like. Big four, I didn't like it, but at least there were elements of it that I liked it. Even Parker Pine, which is awful. There were some elements or threads of it that I liked. But recently, I've read a story, Christy related, that is the worst story to have Agatha Christie's name on it ever. No, no redeemable qualities. Really? I'll discuss. It was so bad. What? I'll talk about it later. We got to talk about our book now.
1: Oh, you just threw you that just out there. Tease me. I'm teasing it. I'm teasing. <laughs> Is it this Sophie week? Hannah's new book?
0: Yes. All right. It's it's the new Poirot book that Sophie Hannah wrote The Killings at Kingfisher Hill. I shall discuss it when we have time, and we will discuss it on the podcast. But I would like to talk about it a little bit just because as I read it, I, I finished and I said, like, I love something about every Christie story, but this book had nothing good in it not a single thing the other three do i don't love i don't love them a few of them have some good things in them uh but this book was the worst poirot book worse than big four worse than
1: what's the buzz on it like other than that like i mean what what does the community think of it reviews seem
0: pretty standard with uh the other ones like uh, a lot of people take issue with uh, her voice sounding very different, which I don't take issue with. I think she should do that. But a a lot of them are pretty uh, averagely positive. So it didn't seem like people hated it quite as much as I did, but I'll get into why I did. This episode seems like it's pretty jam-packed, but I might have time to talk about it the next one or maybe a bonus one one day, or I'll just squeeze it in somewhere. But right now, right now we'll Well, talk about...
1: You know that right now, that... You hated it. But it's been the only one out of how many? Like 80? so
0: Right, that I straight up hated, yes. But Christy didn't write it. So it's not her fault. But just, you know, anyway. This book, though, I did not absolutely hate. This book is Murder in Mesopotamia. It was published, according to the Agatha Christie official website list, in uh, 1936. And it was inspired by Agatha Christie's ventures out on digs. I don't want digs. Check out these digs.
1: Archaeal. Oh, I can't do it with her husband who did digging stuff.
0: With our with our new husband who digs who dig dug. I'm <laughs> trying so hard to think of the guy from Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones? No, the other guy. Sala. Sala. Oh. I wanted I wanted her new husband to be Sala. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Indy! Asps, very dangerous.
1: You, <laughs> bad dates. <laughs> they
0: went on a lot of bad dates together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her husband is Max Malowin, is her second husband. So her official name at that point was uh, Agatha Malowin, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah.
0: But she stuck with Agatha Christie, obviously, because by this point she was a household name. And so this book is based uh, on those digs. You want to give, uh, like, the, the premise of the story?
1: The Synopsis. Sure. So there is a group. um, The the English seemed to like to travel in packs when they would go to these sunny, hot places. And they had several people with several jobs. So it's like the archaeological dig was like its own little community of people. So it's an archaeologist named Dr. Leidner who has, Mm -hmm. who's American, I believe, right?
0: I think so. Yeah, it sounded like it.
1: And he has a very nervous upset wife who is seeing things and hearing things that nobody seems to substantiate and Mm -hmm. things are real and so he hires a nurse to kind of make her feel better feel more relaxed and take care of her if she does have any real medical problems and the narration is through the nurse who is amy leatheran yeah that last name confused me a lot Leathering. I just called her like Amy Leather Handbag in, in my mind.
0: Yeah, I think most did.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: So, yeah, the nurse eventually talks to Mrs. Leidner and finds out she was married to a very obsessive husband before uh, Dr. Leidner. And what happened to him? Did he get, he went, did he, was it an accident or?
1: actually so just just saying first of all i really like this book i i've liked it ever since the first time i read it which was one of the i'd say one of the first 10 christie's that i read this oh, wow of them and i i still really like it and that was kind of a fun thing that she did she part of the story that she includes in it is her backstory is Mr. Mm. backstory which i thought was kind of fun um yeah she was married very very young to an American guy who tur- who was like in the war in the First World War and mm-hmm. turned out to be a German spy. And yeah, this is all backstory too. He was captured, sentenced to death, uh, was supposedly executed, but really wasn't executed. He escaped, but then after he escaped, he apparently died in a train crash.
0: Right, another
1: no,
0: no, <laughs> another more popular version of uh, this story is "Help! I Married a German Spy," <laughs> which was, I think, it was a Medea movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that setup too. Like it's it's told really well, uh, and it it makes uh, Mrs. Leidner's like it, it makes her fears more interesting. It feels really, it feels very uh, classical literature to me. Like uh, Bronte, like gothic. It feels really gothic, even though they're out in like the desert. But she's like running away from this past husband. And she thinks that he's around every corner and every single thing is him. And has to have a nurse and she's confiding in a nurse. It felt really like, it felt like an older story than mm-hmm. than uh, this.
1: That That is so cool because I wrote down on this paper of things that like my sum up of the episode and, or of the book in comparison to the Suchet, I wrote down Christie equals Shakespeare. Cause I feel at this point, there's so much, there, there's so many things about her that are so standard that some people just don't get. But I feel like, yeah, she has reached that point that it is very classical.
0: So. Yeah. And so this, uh, this book had a new thing where uh, it was a narrator that was a, have we had a woman narrator in a Poirot story? I don't think we have woman narrator in a form I have no idea because I mean we've had female narrators for like man in the brown suit and uh maybe one other uh one of the adventure stories but you know this is with Poirot it's either Ben Hastings uh it was Dr. Shepard and Roger Ackroyd or third person so it was interesting to have a new perspective on it on Poirot what did you think of our narrator in this book as compared to Hastings Dr. Shepard or third person
1: um, I liked it. I think I think she did a pretty good job. It was it was less. It was a, they still did a little bit of like. I honestly forgot Poirot was in this because he doesn't come in until like chapter thirteen. Pretty late. So yeah. like, it, Poirot's in this, and it, of course it says it right on the front. in Hercule Poirot, novel. yeah, I had gotten too involved. But they did less of the. Uh, oh, the poor old devil's lost his mind. She only said that a couple times, and compared to Hastings, says it in every single sentence. And I'm glad Hastings wasn't there, which is another reason why I got so angry with the Suchet episode, which I guess we'll talk about in a second. They stuck Hastings back in there. Mm -hmm. But I liked her because she was, uh, seemed very Agatha Christie-ish herself. She was a nurse. She was no nonsense, but she had a good understanding of people.
0: Yeah, and she wasn't quite as like stereotypically spunky as some of the other narrators are. She was a little more understandable. She was like Christy and a little reserved. Like sometimes she was afraid to say what was on her mind, even though she was no nonsense. And I kind of like that. She seemed more realistic than every single one of the characters being like, being like Lizzo. She's gone. Oh, sorry. She, yeah. She drove her. So I listened to. <laughs> you drove her car away. So I listened to an audiobook version of this story. Cause I gave, I gave you my copy before I finished it. And then I was like, well, I'm, I, I had a, it's okay it's my fault then I was like well I'd like to listen to an audiobook and the mine was narrated by I forgot her name now and I'm gonna find it
1: yeah I feel I'll insert this right at this point while you're looking I feel really bad that of all the ones you've read I keep having to bum your copies I feel kind of bad because you, you asked yeah. me the other day about something else. And I was like, I was like, no, I, was like, I swear I do own some of them, but they're so far. They're, they're really odd ones. And I don't have like, oh, I've got three in a row. I'll have one. And then 20 books later, I'll have another one. Um, I, re-
0: I really don't mind because I mean, I have to have them for a reason more than I'm just going to reread them a hundred times. Because I said before, like, why do I have these not if I'm not going to reread them?
1: Pretty sure this one was mine, and like I gave it to you ages ago, and
0: yeah. So it's just taking a cycle, and then you'll give it back, and then I'll force read it to my kids when they're in the crib, and then <laughs> they'll grow up to be murderers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my my story was narrated by Anna Massey. You know her?
3: No. Nope.
0: Okay. She was in. Uh, speaking of Hitchcock, she was in Frenzy, and she has a very very. Old British woman voice. And so I kept getting annoyed with her voice and thinking I was mad at the, the main character, but it was just the way she was reading the lines. Cause also her French accent for Poirot was way worse than John Malkovich. And, uh, I don't know what she was doing. It was, I could not take Poirot seriously. So I should have read the book, but I had read it before, thankfully. So I could separate my feelings about the audiobook with the, uh, because usually Hugh Fraser narrates them, but since this was a woman narrator, you know, that would have been a little strange if he did.
1: So, Zach, can we hear your take on an old British woman doing a French accent as Poirot? Oh, no. Okay, so I, we start like this, right? And then we go, oh.
0: Uh, how would a British lady do a French accent? I guess she would just do a French accent. Deep cut.
2: Oh. One of me <laughs> It was exactly like that. I'm sure it was.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, we got off a little bit, but the the thing of the whole point of it is, yes, Mrs. Ladner is very nervous and upset, and she sees faces at her window and hears scratching and tapping on her walls, and no surprise, she becomes the victim. So right. they narrow it down as usual, they narrow it down to, it had to be, it wasn't an outsider or a, you know, a local person working on the dig. It had to be someone who was directly involved with their group, which is right. like, uh, uh, there was a, a religious guy, like a monk who supposedly, yeah. was, Tony Shalhoub uh, was supposedly- <laughs> i surprised he didn't solve it. <laughs> And the, uh, several, like, young British guys who mm-hmm. all kind of ran together for me.
0: Yeah, a lot of these characters yeah. in this book were kind of hard for me to follow.
1: Yeah, and then there was a husband-wife team, mm-hmm. which I liked them. And I thought that was another complaint that I have between the, the film version, or the television, Soushé version, and the book, is that the television version lost all of the subtlety. Because it, well, the most important thing in this was the interplay of the characters. Mm-hmm. And all of the subtleties of all these people who were supposedly friends, but had just been together in a hostile environment for too long. And right. all of the, you know, the irritations and all that, that go with it. And that, all of that was lost in the television version. So I wish there was another film version of this. I really do that they, you know, where they would get it right.
0: Right. And I, I like too, that it's, it is a locked door mystery that, um, uh... They're not really sure how how she was killed. Um, she was hit over the head with something, but the door was locked, right? And uh,
1: no, the door wasn't locked. It's just no one went in and out of it. The window, right?
0: Because was- they, yeah, they saw that nobody could have gone in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right.
1: like the the complex faced a courtyard, and right? Open, only had one door that opened into the courtyard. That was it. Nobody went in there. Yeah, right.
0: Um, yeah, so what else is that to talk about with it? Because I, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about the ending, because the ending is actually one of, the, one of the more talked about things about this, because there's very uh, divisive feelings about this ending. Really? Yeah, because I looked up a lot of the reviews enjoyed the book, and then there were quite a few that didn't, didn't believe, they thought the ending was very, it wasn't believable that they didn't think that I mean it's a it's a murder mystery so you know a lot of times things can happen that are a little more far-fetched than real life and then you swallow them but it seemed like a lot of people had an issue with it but I'm guessing you didn't from your reaction
1: um I can see where you would think that where you mm-hmm. could have could justifiably feel that way I liked the ending personally mm-hmm. um but I can see where it, definitely there were some gaps that you could have been like, now, like, wait a minute. If this tiny thing or this tiny thing didn't work out, that wouldn't have, because Poirot's famous for being like, this is the only thing that that fits the facts, and yeah, that this one didn't really do that. But this right, thing, sum up confession, everybody goes home.
0: But I think it's a very smart ending, like yeah. just mechanically wise, like it's one of the last. I I know when I read it, I was so shocked by the ending. It was like the last thing that I expected. Do we want to talk about what it is? I mean, we haven't really talked a whole lot about the characters, so we might be able to leave it out.
1: I would like for people to read this or mm-hmm. to watch. Well, I don't want them to watch the sushi sushi version, but at least it does. The ending stays the same.
0: Yeah. So the sushi version you did not enjoy.
1: I did. I had some problems with it. Um, mm-hmm. Like why was Hastings there? I probably because Hugh Fraser had it in his contract, right? Think, um, it, it was just—it felt like everybody was just reading the lines, you know. Mm-hmm. Like picked up the book and it's like, oh, okay, you have these lines and these lines, and and there wasn't any emotion really to it. It didn't have that subtlety. Like I was saying, like the it was all the whole like focus of the book is that Mrs. Lightner was central to everything. Like she right. The tone of the entire uh, expedition and ev- the mood of the whole group of people all depended on her, whether she was in a good mood or a bad mood. And she had like four minutes of screen time in the, mm-hmm. in the movie. It was dumb. And all the actors were just bad. The only person yeah. who did a good job, I thought, was Dr. Liger, the husband. He, I thought, did <laughs> a really, really good job. Because he there's like one line near the end where he all he has to say is his the line is just I'm so tired and he he just he nails it and everybody else just looked like they they
0: were, they were actually tired <laughs> so
2: yeah
1: I, I was what else oh okay I did like that there was like a full three or four minutes of Poirot trying to catch a mosquito in his room <laughs> and that I enjoyed but I don't that,
0: remember that. Like, I so you watched the episode recently? Yeah. Is it on BritBox?
1: Um, the, supposedly all of them are, but there's a couple seasons missing.
0: Yeah, because I couldn't find it.
1: They were there, and then I, I don't know if they take them down for some reason. Like I don't know. I sound stupid, but to like do maintenance on them or something, like <laughs> maybe. Re- yeah. Remaster them, maybe. Maybe. Um, or they had to take it down and, and put it back up and they just had to put it back. Yeah, because I could not find it. So strangely though, it was on YouTube. Yeah. Like you could watch it in good quality not with it like sped up a half a second or so. It was, yeah. So I watched or upside it.
0: down with German subtitles, yeah.
1: <laughs> or like a little postage stamp up at the top.
0: <laughs> right, because I read this one af- right after we did, or right around the time we did Cards on the Table, so it's been a while. And I had not looked to watch the movie since then. Or else, I probably would have found it then. So I just, but I did see the movie way back, and I remember it being different from the a, a little bit from the book. I don't remember disliking it too much, but I wasn't that much of a critic back then because I think it wasn't one of the early ones that I read too. Mm-hmm. Um. So, is there anything else you want to talk about? Or You want to give it a rating? <laughs> uh,
1: that was all I had written down on my. Scary paper. The last word on the page is crap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is about the movie. <clears throat> right. So, yeah. Well, I'll give my final review. This book, I, I liked it more when I read it the first time. I did enjoy the narrator. I did enjoy... I do like the twist. My only issue is with that I lose a. I lose a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of them are a little flat and kind of run together, which compared to the books that are surrounding it, like we just read cards on the table and that book has such, you know, I think it has really strong characters or at least characters you can easily tell apart. Cause there's not that many of them, but right. with this one, a lot of them, there were too many and they, they were too similar.
1: Right. Because there was the, the one guy who was kind of important. Oh man. What was his name? Carrie. His last name was mm-hmm. not Jim. But-
0: Drew. <laughs> what? Drew. <laughs> Carrie Underwood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and in the in the movie version he was like <laughs> like a cheap knockoff Indiana Jones. Uh, but he he was important, but then there were like three British young guys who all had like she described them similarly. They all had similar backstories and like like two yeah. of them were completely unnecessary. You could have cut two of them and they it would have you wouldn't have even noticed. They made Right.
0: Them. If they, yeah, it didn't feel like they really gelled in, with the plot so well. Like, there wasn't – she threw around suspicion, but she did it on a smaller group than she actually had. Like, there were bigger characters. And I, I think that if she would just would have trimmed those few, the book would be a lot higher for me. It's not a bad book by any means, but it bumps it down from, like, being a four-star book for me. It's quite closer to three and a half to three.
1: Yeah, I was, I was uh, thinking three and a half, so –
0: Okay, so our three. I think the only things we've rated around three and a half were Peril at End House, and Death in the Clouds is kind of the area of that. I think it's better than Death in the Clouds. Do you think it's better than Peril at End House? Mm,
1: I would only rate it higher than Peril at End House because of the setting. Because she's yeah. traveling and now like you've taken everything out of the cozy English countryside murder mystery to putting that in, I guess it was, well, Mesopotamia has been like around Iraq, I guess. Uh-huh. Iraq is where it was. And she didn't, she had been traveling and she saw all these things and she didn't take a huge amount of time to establish the background. But when she did take a few minutes to pause and kind of tell you what was going on around, it was really beautiful and very... Yeah. And I like the love that she gave to that. So for that reason, I would put it a little bit higher than Peril at End House.
0: I agree. Because all of the, I think this is... It's it says a lot that I think this is the, the the least of her uh Egypt books or her uh you know archaeology books like Appointment with Death, uh Death on the Nile a little bit and, and this one and death comes as the end, uh in a different way.
2: <laughs> Zach just texted me, repair with a
0: platypus. <laughs> Why would you just say that? <laughs> oh, I don't want to interrupt. you, <laughs> <Like, laughs> It took me so long to figure out how to spell Peril. <laughs> I'll be so honest there. Well,
2: I
1: was laughing because all I could think of was, remember when you did the game with the alternate titles like that had been translated and re uh-huh. Peril and End House was like Danger in the Bottom.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. The
1: bottom. That was it. That's, I was over here laughing at when
0: that. When I point. eat cheese, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think Murder of Mesopotamia was Don't Come Back. I can't remember why, but yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I was going to say that all of those books are so iconic because she knew the area so well. And they're so interesting for people to see this happen. I was talking with uh, Tabitha the other day and she said that they, I was telling her about the plot of death comes as the end while I was reading this book. And she said that they taught her that story in her history class, which is how like good Christie was at, uh, conveying yeah. these things because it was so accurate because it's funny that she becomes an archaeologist's wife and immediately she writes like she's an expert on it, the same way she did with her poisons. I think she was just an ex. She wrote about what she knew because she didn't try on things that she would get wrong. She always wrote things that she knew and they come off very authentic.
1: And I think she was also a learning addict. She yeah. wanted to know about things. So yeah, that's really cool though. that's a That's a fun fact.
0: So I put it then I put it as number seven on our master list, which puts it below three act tragedy and above Peril and house. And on the, so that would put it on the Poirot list. It would also be number seven on that list. Oh. Murder in Mesopotamia. Very nice.
1: Great list. So, uh, I how helpful that is.
0: yeah. So I, 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 did forget this at the beginning uh, I meant meant to mention this, but um, we were supposed to have a uh, meeting with, I know it's kind of, it's feels weird to mix pleasure with business, you know, but we're supposed to have a meeting with our agent today. Did you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remembered it, but... I'm so,
1: sure he didn't remember, though.
0: Well, I just texted him and asked him, uh, and he didn't reply, but he's supposed to be joining in a few minutes, so... Just he wants to just talk about the finances, you know, get us an idea of where everything's going on, you know. Uh, I'm just giggling because I like seeing the guy. It makes me feel yeah. he's a fun guy. It makes me feel like we finally made it, you know? Yeah. But like you know, I want you guys to talk amongst yourselves for a minute because thinking about seeing Danny Schaebom kind of makes me up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but I'll be right back and
2: hopefully you I don't have miss that
1: it. effect on a lot of people. I've heard yeah.
0: that. So you guys discuss, yeah. you guys discuss something beneficial for the audience. <laughs> <That> It'll <Beneficial? laughs> be right back.
1: Hey, Zach. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, good.
0: Ooh.
1: What just happened?
0: Josh kicked. So the, um, the station I have Josh's iPad on is very official. Very nice. It's my desk chair an accordion binder, uh, then his iPad. And so he kicked the chair and the chair went spinning.
1: Okay. I thought you were gonna say it was sitting on top of an accordion. And my first question was, when did you get an accordion? I don't have an
0: accordion. Now I'm a little
1: disappointed. Okay, yet.
0: Yet. (laughs) You know, it's only a matter of time until I get an accordion. I hope so. I do. I do know somebody who has an accordion, though. Really? Yeah, I try not to talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) I found this out far too late to knowing him to be able to give him a fair judgment.
1: So you can't really dissolve the friendship just on those grounds?
0: Well, I can. It just seems unfair to him, but it's been done. (laughs) Okay. It had to be done. I mean, that seems like the thing you bring up. You know, first off, you're like, hey, my name's Kev. I own an accordion. And I'm like, hi, my name's Zach. We're not friends. That's
1: good you know. <laughs> that's, so. good to know that that's one of the first things you would want to know about somebody.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like if you own an accordion, that's a big part of your life.
1: So, okay, yeah, that was my follow-up question. Is it owning it or playing it? Like, just merely possessing the accordion means that there's the 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 option exists that you will someday play it and that's unacceptable
0: no 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 so here's the thing is that it like if you like inherited it from like your jewish grandfather that's fine (laughs) you know because you're like i'll keep it because it's pap paps but i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna play it i'll just keep it in the closet or whatever and one day when my kids are you know, 15, I'll show up to them and be like, oh, this was your granddad's, you know, your great granddad's accordion. And they'll be like, whatever, dad, I'm doing TikTok dances. (laughs) Um, But if you're, if you went out and bought an accordion and you were like, you want to hear Another One Rides the Bus by Weird Al, I'd say no. (laughs) I don't. If I wanted to hear that, I'd listen to it. Right. So. Man, Josh must be taking a number two.
1: <laughs> no, I was going to say. No, <laughs> he had
0: very- hello? Hello? Uh, hello? Danny, is that you?
2: No, I'm sorry to interrupt. My name is Sergeant Timothy Tibbins. I'm with the San Francisco police. How are you both doing tonight?
0: Uh, we're doing well.
1: Who let you in? Well. How did you get this number?
2: I found the code in Mr. Daniel Shabalm's pocket. I uh, regret to inform you that Mr. Shabom has been murdered.
3: <laughs> what?
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: Danny, Danny Shabom is dead.
1: Don't, the re- don't take this the wrong way that we're laughing, officer. I mean, it, it's just, it's the shock.
2: I completely understand. I was rolling on the f- floor a few <laughs> minutes ago when I found him.
1: He has that effect on people.
2: The reason, the reason that I that I contacted you first was because you you guys were second contacts in his phone, uh, right after the fat kid who cuts my grass. IDK Daniel, maybe <laughs> Daniel wasn't home, so I called you. That makes sense. So what hey, happened?
1: The Guy who cut Danny Shabalm's grass. His name might be Daniel.
2: Well, seems- I'll look. I'll look into that. I'll look into that. Thank you for pointing that out.
0: Yeah, that seems too. That seems pretty suspicious. Do you know uh, what I'll... happened to Danny? Yes,
2: yes, he was strapped down to his chair, force-fed <laughs> three gallons of vinegar, two boxes of baking soda, and then shot the head. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: became a human volcano,
2: <laughs> and he was shot in the head. <laughs> but he did win the third grade science fair
1: well that's some coverage
2: poor, poor Danny so if either of you have any have any information that we can use I mean we, we don't suspect either of you but we <laughs> we just wanted to know if, if you had any information for us
1: well um, gosh you hate to speak ill of the dead but he wasn't a very good I, I mean I didn't have a lot of dealings with him but I don't think he was a very good agent Officer Tibbins.
2: Timothy. You may call me Timothy. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you,
2: Timothy. You're welcome. Well, I would like to say in that regard that uh, we found a piece of paper in his apartment that that talked about how honored he was to be part of such a beautiful podcast that comforted so many people around the world. Yes. called Hot Tub (laughs) Album Reviews.
1: That must have been another one of his clients. Yeah. Hot tub album
0: reviews.
2: Yes, hot tub album reviews. He was he spoke very well of them bef- before his uh, yeah. untimely death.
0: You know, officer, I am one of the two members of Hot Tub Album Reviews.
2: What is that? Is that so? It's I'm a true. big fan. I'm a big Thank
0: fan. You. It I is. I like.
2: You know what my favorite episode is? <laughs> What's that? The only one. <laughs> That's that makes sense, uh, Timothy. Well, I will be following up with you if I get any information. Please come to me uh, if you can get you guys and your fan base to work on it. We did find one clue uh, at the scene of the crime if you would like to hear about that.
0: Yes, yes, of course.
2: He had next to him laminated the printed lyrics to If You Could Read My Mind Love by Gordon Lightfoot. Here, I will recite them. Thank you. If You Could Read My Mind Love. What a tale my thoughts would tell you. Just like a paperback novel, the kind that drugstores sell. When you reach the part where the hero comes, that hero would be me. But heroes often fail.
0: Um, uh-huh. it, would make, it would make sense that it's laminated because that does bring a tear to my eye. And you yes. don't want to put your lyric sheet.
2: Well, I will be following up with Mr. Lightfoot and the fat kid who is perhaps named Daniel. And I will be following up with you soon if I gather any information. But please, please come to me if, if, if you, uh, you know, solve, solve the crime. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of busy this also, week.
1: Also, you might want to know that your interior light is on in your, in your cop car and it might run your battery down.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that, Miss Smew. Miss thank you. Thank you, officer.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye. What a nice officer.
1: Wow, that was a shocker. Uh, Of all the things I was expecting, it was not that.
0: Imagine missing that announcement because you had to take a massive dookie.
1: I don't want to be the one to tell him when he comes back. I would love to be. (laughs) (laughs) It's all you then.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I think I just heard him flush. Oh, here he comes.
1: It looks so sad. He doesn't know. He's so innocent and happy. So- maybe
0: maybe we shouldn't tell him.
1: I don't think we yes?
0: should. Did, <laughs> did I miss Danny?
1: Yeah, Danny, Danny quit. He canceled out on us, I guess. Yeah. Like oh, man. Was. That can't
0: be. Let me I give him a call. No, it's to- he he was he wasn't feeling real good. You know what? No, I'm gonna report him because. I pay, I already gave him his paycheck this month, and he hasn't done any of his work. Well, this is I not don't right.
1: Think now would be a good time.
0: We're in the middle of the podcast, you know. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm not happy about it.
1: Uh, yeah, I, you know, you gotta you gotta live and let live.
0: You guys aren't covering for him, are you? Because if I <laughs> edit this episode and I hear different when I later, I'll. I don't,
1: I don't even like. Yeah. Jenny, so
0: Josh. I have I have to be honest with you. We got a call from Timothy. Timothy. Officer Timothy. Chalamet.
3: Timothy
2: who?
0: What was his last name? Timothy Chalamet <laughs> he
2: yeah. called. What did he want? He,
1: just he uh, let us know that uh, that Dune is almost is, you know, is finished and it'll be out soon. Yeah. Well that's good. He
0: wanted to remind you that you still owe me the entire Dune series. <laughs> <laughs> what did Timothy want? Timothy he 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 had to inform us that unfortunately, Danny Shea's mom had been murdered. What? What happened to him? <laughs> well, it, it was quite.
1: Timothy is a police officer.
0: Right, officer. Wow. Tim- yeah. Oh, oh, Sergeant Timothy Tibbins of the San Francisco Police. Yes, the very oh, same. Oh, Okay, I know him.
1: You know him? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: that's why I just went with first name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I. Well. Yeah. What happened? Well, unfortunately, he um it's pretty gruesome and you know, in case you missed it the first time listeners, we ask if you have a uh, if you were sensitive to this kind of thing, if you <laughs> skip ahead now. But he um he was strapped down <laughs> to his chair.
2: And he was force-fed was it three gallons of vinegar? Wow, that's I a lot. wasn't
1: thing. paying attention.
0: And then two boxes of baking soda, <laughs> and then shot in the head.
1: Then shot in the head.
0: You weren't paying attention to our own agent's demise? Uh,
1: I kind of, I, I was in shock. Mm.
0: Wow. They, um, if you know anything about um, his laminated uh, copy of the lyrics to, uh, what was? Oh, you... Can you read my mind, babe? <laughs> <laughs> love. If you could read my mind, love, I not like that? That's, life, that's <laughs> the one. Okay. Yeah, fans, if you have any information about, about Danny Shabom, uh, well, I mean, I feel like since we're, uh, you know, the Eye of the Grizzly podcast, that we focus on murder mysteries, it's kind that's of true. our responsibility to solve this, don't you? I do.
1: We owe it to Danny.
0: So yeah, and fans, plus if you Tim- have any info... Plus, Officer Timothy's pretty busy this week, he said. So, <laughs> so he might not have time. <laughs> he might not get around <laughs> to all the baby stuff. He's that's running good. Running his car right now. Well, that that's kind of gives us a little bit of a bitter turn to this episode. But let me cheer us up with a fun game I prepared.
1: Woo! <laughs> How about that? Oh, goody. Okay. Okay. So,
0: uh, this game... Since this book was focused on the archaeological dig, I decided that I was going to take us all on an adventure, uh, an archaeological adventure. It sort of started as like a Dungeons and Dragons type game, but then it changed a little more into Choose Your Own Adventure. So anyway, here's what, here's what I created. So the rules of this game is I'm going to lead you through uh, this scenario, this game. Has a certain character, and I'll give you options of who you can pick to be. And with the character, each one has a strength, each one has a weakness that can help them get through uh, these these rooms with obstacles, uh, booby traps, and things like that. They also each have uh, an item they're equipped with, like kind of like a video game character. Um, and they all start with a certain amount of points at the beginning of the game. Whoever gets out of the Temple with the most points wins. Mm. As assuming one of you does not die, um, you can you can take an item from another character that you're not for fifteen points. Uh, when you get successfully to another room, you get fifty points automatically. I'll keep track of this. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. And each character starts with a different amount of points, but there's pros and cons to each character uh, for you to take them. Does that sound good?
1: That yeah. sounds uh, like you did a lot of work.
0: So. Uh, I want you guys to, I want it to be fair for who gets to pick their character first. So I'm going to think of a number between one and 25. Mm, You ready? Yeah. 18. And Charlotte?
1: 24.
0: Okay. Zach, you'll get to pick first. Nice. It was was
1: 13.
0: (laughs) All right. Here are the characters you both can pick from, but Zach will get first pick. Uh, The first character is Grayson Fox. 100 points. He's an adventurer with rugged good looks and a rough rough around the edges attitude. He's always been on a quest to find the tomb of Gamilla, the queen of Egypt, Mm -hmm. ever since he went into business with a talent agent named Danny Shabom, who stole all of his credit cards and then texted him and asked him if he could temporarily up the credit credit limit for like five minutes. Uh, His strength is he goes to the gym like nine times a day. So that means you can add two to any role. Anytime you need it, just oh. in case the odds aren't good, you can add two. Your weakness is you come from a troubled home. So every time your dice reads four or six, you have to draw from the bad news at home deck, <clears throat> which can make you lose points. You can also check the stats as Grayson Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could check the stats, like the what are the chances of me doing this and surviving three mm-hmm. times as Grayson Fox. Okay, And his equipment is a shepherd's crook. Okay. You can also play as Honey Belafonte. Honey is Grayson's fox's spunky assistant. After her stepdad died in a mysterious parrot attack, she fled the country and joined the ragtag team of adventurers. Her strength is she has the ability to talk to animals and can usually talk them out of harming her. Her weakness is the animals usually talk her into giving up her belongings. She's equipped with two cell phones. She could check the, she could check the odds twice. Another character is Dr. Cleopatra Smith. Oh, Wait. I forgot to say, Honey Bellafante starts.
1: How many points does Honey start with?
0: One twenty-five. Thank you. I forgot that. You can also start as Dr. Cleopatra Smith, who starts with one hundred and fifty points. She's a don't need no man, no funny business with one kidney doctor. Uh, she has a kick butt attitude. I don't know why I phrased it that way. Uh, her she strength has one is... kidney. <laughs> yes, is that what her weakness? No, she can't process other things besides water. Well, that is a weakness, but that doesn't come up in this game. Okay. She can heal herself by 20 anytime she's hurt. Uh, That's her strength. But her weakness is she has to heal others when they get hurt, uh, and she loses 15 every time. She's equipped with her pet mouse, Guthrie, who can detect danger and see the fourth dimension, and she can check the stats once. And the last character you can be is Danny Shabong, who has 75 points former stamp collector now turned talent agent finds himself on an Egyptian dig after he misread the outline for don't drink the tea's latest episode. His strength is Danny can always lie about whatever number he got. Plus playing as him may give us some clues as to what happened to him when he died. So he could, but, and another strength of his is that he can double the items, what they cost when he sells them to another player. But his weakness is every time he does lie to somebody, he will lose 15 points. He is equipped with a book of hieroglyphic stamps. So those are your characters you can pick from Grayson Fox, Danny Shabarm, Honey Belafonte, and Dr. Cleopatra Smith. Hmm. So question. Um, like for example, in a game of Dungeons and Dragons, are you going to act as the NPCs or the people that we don't choose? They are in it, yeah. Okay. They're not they aren't gonna do things, but they are there so you can like take their stuff. They can get harmed, you can use them to do things. I they're not necessarily going to take actions and get you out of the room, but they are there. Right. Okay, so just, just like one of those. Yep. Okay. Um, well, I feel like I'm personally... I, it's, it's a tough call, I think, between Danny Shabom and the first person you read. I don't know. Grayson Fox. Grayson Fox. What do you think, Charlotte?
1: Um, I, well, I, you know, not not to be rude, but Danny doesn't seem to have much of a track record as a winner, so I think it's be really <laughs> hard to like make any points with him because he always lies, but every lie costs him points. So <laughs> I don't see how he would what,
0: but it may give Does us Does he time. get any points for getting a Subway sandwich? Five, yes. He gets five points. But, I don't you, think but come up also Plague it might give us some clues as to how he was who his killer is too. I
1: really don't think it will. <laughs> it might. All <laughs> do right.
0: do that well, in that order. I, <laughs> I, w- I will I'll, I'll I'll go. Wait, why are you like this? Because <laughs> <he's, he's laughs> i kicking the chair. I'm not kicking the chair. I'll play as Danny Shaybom because I feel like that's what you really. Want, <laughs> I do want you to play as Danny Shaybom specifically. Yes. <laughs> not Charlotte, but I did want you to play as him. Okay, Charlotte. Would you like to be Grayson Fox, Honey Balafante, or Doctor Cleopatra Smith? Do you
1: do you have like? Is there someone I'm supposed to choose?
0: No, only Zach was supposed to be Danny J. Mom. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, you, I really think that he would have in the end, anyway. Yeah,
0: but. I think so too.
1: Um, I, I definitely
3: Timothy
0: uh, would be funny. Timothy is.
1: I like the, the talking to animals thing, but um, I like that Cl- Dr. Cleopatra Smith's uh like mouse goes with her
0: and can see the fourth dimension. Yes,
1: right. So I, I want to be her. <laughs> okay,
0: very good. You guys ready to start? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay, so we will, since Zach chose first, we'll let Charlotte make the first decision. The day is dry and humid. It is so dry, like a Bojangles chicken tender that even barbecue sauce can't help. You and your team have just discovered the tomb of the ancient Egyptian queen, Gamilla. The team steps under the tomb and walks down a tunnel where the walls seem to be moving. Danny Shabom lights his torch and then catches his arm on fire. In the light of Danny's burning corduroy, you see the wall as a dead end and it's crawling with scorpions. You see a lever, a wall of movable panels with hieroglyphs, and a big cage. So, what do you think you wanna do? Now remember, you have your equipment or you could buy something off of somebody else. What
1: was my equipment besides the mouse?
0: Yeah, that's your equipment, is the mouse. What is my equipment? Is the is the uh, hieroglyphic stamps? Hieroglyphic stamps. Hieroglyph- hieroglyphic <laughs> or holographic? Hieroglyphic. Can it be both? Sure. Like when you move them, they're yeah. also uh, Nelson Mandela. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that's what I wanted?
1: That was an overreaction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you think you want to do? You Remember, you also could check the stats on things once.
1: Um, the wall's crawling with scorpions and it's a dead end. So yeah, there, there are a lever, movable panels, and what?
0: And a big cage. A big empty cage where the door is open.
1: I don't see where that would be very helpful. And the lever could be a trap door, so I would say the movable panels.
0: Okay, how are you going to use them?
1: What are they supposed to do?
0: They move. You just going to move them randomly?
1: Uh, well, why can't Danny use his stamps to match them up and see which ones? You have,
0: have to, to buy Danny's stamps from him to do that.
1: How much does that cost?
0: It's expensive. I'll tell you. It'll be 30 he's points.
1: On fire. Why can't I just... <laughs> from?
0: It'll, be, it'll be 30 points to buy Danny's stamps. Is Danny already dead? No, he's <laughs> on, on fire.
1: <laughs> At this point, like, we're all just suffocating from the smell of burning corduroy.
0: It'll be thirty points to buy the stamps. You can use something else. Too. It's surprising because Danny usually lines all of his clothes in asbestos. so <laughs> <You laughs> it won't burn. Usually <laughs> that day he forgot. Yeah, he does it every
2: morning.
1: Fine. I'm just gonna pull the lever.
0: Okay, you're gonna pull the lever with your hand. Long lever, crunk. Yes, I'm not
1: gonna. Okay. Get my mouse to do it.
0: All right. So you have a dice, or do you need Zach to roll for you?
1: I need Zach to roll for me.
0: Okay. Six. What did she get? Six. Yeah. Okay. When you pulled the lever, a scorpion fell on your hand and stung you. But Danny sucked the poison out, so you only lost 25 points. <laughs> so, in so doing, you lost 25 and you paid Danny 30, so you lost uh, 55 points. Did she there. buy the stamps? No, she bu- Oh, no, she didn't buy the stamps. I'm no. oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You only lost 30, so you're down to uh, 120.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, Zach, it's over to you. I would like to buy uh, Fox's uh, cane, his uh, shepherd staff, and do what with it? And I would like to grab the bird cage with it. Okay. Do I need to roll? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, hold on. I got an ad on this <laughs> on this uh, lovely app. <laughs> How do I get rid of it? There's no. Oh my. You see where this X is? <laughs> yeah, it's only like halfway on the screen. <laughs> this is another a trial of the of the tube is that you have to get past the ads. <laughs> I'm gonna have to restart the app. Oh, and, and it and it costs you 15 to buy that. So right now I got a four. Right now you're down to. i should keep better track of this. Now you're down to 60 points. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I
1: only started.
0: <laughs> and you got a so four? Yeah. four got you through you pulled the cage and a, a door opened up on the side and you guys got to go through very good so zach gets 50 points for getting you out of the room yeah buddy some other solutions that you could have done was you could have used um danny's i mean you could have used grayson Fo- fox's shepherd crook to op- to pull the lever without the scorpions falling on you if you held it long enough the door would have opened you could have put guthrie in the cage and lord all the scorpions into there as well Uh, And you also could have used Honey's cell phones to try to Google the hieroglyphs, but you only had like a two out of six chance for that. With Danny's stamps, you get like a five out of six chance. (laughs) Okay, so you enter a room where you see corners and tunnels. You see that you're coming up to a maze. You also see that there are spears on the panels in the ceiling, several holes where spears have fallen into the maze. There's a sign on the wall that says, All paths lead to victory. Have dinner on us. Two for 20 only at Applebee's. Beware George. So there are three entrances. Entrance one, entrance two, entrance three. They all seem to be completely the same. What do you do? We'll start with you, Charlotte.
1: Mazes, corners, all paths lead to victory. Three doors. Uh, I would like to use the mouse who can see the fourth dimension. (laughs) Very
3: good.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Guthrie can, can see that the first entrance leads all the way to a person, but Guthrie can't see past that person. Mm. He sees that the second door has to go through some bats, but it does lead to victory. And the third, he can see that it leads to greenish water.
1: Uh, can I use door number two, but then use, uh, Honey's power to talk to animals?
0: No, you can't use Honey's power. You can only use Honey's equipment, which is cell phones. I'm sorry.
1: So, but I, if I bought her cell phones, wouldn't help me any, would they? I
0: don't know. Unless you, like, turned on, like, some music and threw it in the hallway (laughs) to scare the bats. That could work. Um... I have a feeling that door number one leads to George, who the Applebee sign told me to beware of. So, probably not great. Um, is my jacket still on fire? Yes. <laughs> Can I take my jacket off and throw it in the hallway? Or... No. <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: Daddy would never do that. That's
0: true. The he paid, scared, you got that jacket at Goodwill recently. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm going I will spoil and say that the, that the number one entrance does not lead to George. I will say that. Ooh. Um, Danny Shabom is well, always... She looked, hasn't picked it. Oh, okay. I thought she used her thing. No, she just asked if she could. Well, okay. she used her uh, fourth dimension boss. Oh, yeah, but she, she used her equipment. Now she gets to see what well, oh, she's, she's going to do after that. Okay. Yeah, 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 now you get to act.
1: All right. Uh, well, I will purchase Honey's powers and go through door number two.
0: Okay, you're going to purchase her phone, like Zach yeah, said? That's what I meant. And play the music? Okay. So first it's going to be 15 to buy the phone. So that's going to bump you down to 105. Okay, now you're going through door number two. Okay, Zach, roll for Charlotte. Two. You got through. Good job. The vats went past you. Now Zach's got to get through, but you cannot take the same way because it collapsed Correct. after she went through. Obviously, Danny Sheabaum
1: How many points always... do I get for going through?
0: 50. So you're up to 155. Am I up 90? Dang it, Danny. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot to the... say... Well, no, we'll keep going. It's all right. Danny is always looking for new talent. And so he's going to walk towards <laughs> the uh, mysterious man down the hallway. Danny. Right.
1: Went to where the greenish water is. Wouldn't it put your jacket
0: out? Yeah, but he doesn't. He, he forgot about the jacket being on fire. Clearly, now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put this on you because because I forgot and it was my problem. But I forgot that at the beginning of this round, Danny was supposed to get stuck in the doorway when it closed and lose fifty points automatically. But I'm not gonna make that happen to you because I forgot. All right, so Danny goes down, and you're not gonna use any any equipment, right? Absolutely not. Well, if I if I get there, yeah, I yeah, might. Yeah. Okay, just go ahead. So Danny goes down uh, down the maze. He comes up and he sees a bearded man dressed in knight's clothing. The man puts his hand on his shoulder. Light comes onto the man's face. It is Kevin James. (laughs) Kevin says, patience is power. (coughs) Patience is not an absence of action. Rather, it is timing. It waits on the right time to act for the right principles. And in the right way. He kisses Danny tenderly on the cheek and gives him 25 points. And you get 50 because you go through. So you got 75 points. And then Danny shows Kevin James the stamp book. <laughs> Minus five points. Dang it. <laughs> but you're still ahead of Charlotte by five points now. Now you're both in the nice. you're both
1: in the third room.
0: It is the tomb, Gamilla's tomb. You see Gamilla's sarcophagus. Uh oh, here Danny tries to cut his own hair and looks like an idiot. <laughs> Minus five points. So now you guys are tied.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. I have a question. Yeah. Um, I got stung by the scorpion, but Dr. Cleo always self-heals. So oh, I yes. Points you
0: should have you got know? 20 points for that. Yep. Thank you for reminding me. Okay. Man, now she's ahead of me by 20 points. I'm sorry I'm not very good at this game that I designed. <laughs> Um, You're a first time. Thank you for end. keeping track of it. Yeah. So you, yeah, you have or 175. GM. Zach has 155. But I will say, in the tomb, everything is kind of like, uh, what is that final, not final Jeopardy? Um, what's the Family Feud thing where the points are tripled? It's kind of anybody's game still. Um. So after Daddy Dele- Shave, after Daddy Shave, cut his own hair and looked like an idiot. You see, um, a body of green water surrounding a pile of shadowy, what looks like treasure. On your side of the water, you see a small boat with a giant red X on it, a propeller hat, a crown, a golden frog named Jorge, and a jewel necklace. What do you do? And now you you can leave the temple at any time. Right. And you want to leave with the most points. So you see the treasure beyond the green water, You see a small boat with a giant red X on it, a propeller hat, a crown, a golden frog named Jorge, and a jewel necklace. And keep in mind that Danny Chabon had just cut his hair and looks like an idiot. So, does Danny think he looks like an idiot? No, he thinks he looks awesome. Okay.
2: (laughs) He keeps nudging uh, Honey Belafonte and saying, you know, I cut this myself, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Please keep in mind, viewers, that this was shortly before
0: his death, so try not to laugh too hard. (laughs) Shortly before his untimely murder. Not as timely, murder. Is one is Charlotte going first? Uh, Charlotte went first last time, so you can go first. Okay. Um, Danny Sheabaum is gonna go check out that jeweled frog named Jorge. You gonna take the frog? Yes. And you wanna leave with the frog? I. I just wanna pick up the frog for now. <laughs> you wanna do pick up the frog. <laughs> yeah. Tell
1: her okay. To cover up your bad haircut.
0: <laughs> but he, no, Danny thinks it's a great haircut. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, unfortunately. Jorge is worth 12,000 points, what? but the gold is poison. <laughs> so he kills you and you lose half your points. But I, right. I'm dead? Well, you lose half your points. They killed, they, I mean, Danny Shabom's not literally dead because, as we know, later on he died as a third grade science fair volcano. But <laughs> Plus, getting shot in the But you did lose half your points. Yes. Okay. So, so did I drop the frog?
1: Or half of the 12,000, which would be 6,000.
0: So we'll go, we'll go to sh- we'll, we'll we'll go, go to sh- Hold on. Sh- Two things. One, yeah. did I drop the frog? <laughs> yeah, after a poison. Two, Charlotte has to heal me. Right. So then you're up 20 points, 97. And she loses 15. All right, back to you, Charlotte. Okay, you want to so re- recap?
1: Boat with a red X, a crown, a propeller hat, and a necklace?
0: And a poison gold frog, if you're interested.
1: I'm not going to pick that up now. (laughs) Not that it would matter because I would heal, but.
0: And I didn't have you roll the dice with the frog because it was six out of six death.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have not checked the odds yet. So I would (laughs) like to. I can check the odds with before I make a choice or.
0: Right. Yeah, so you could check the odds on one thing. and like before you would choose it and then you could change your mind and not choose it if it's low.
1: Okay, I would like to check the odds on the jeweled necklace.
0: On the jeweled necklace, you have... Hold on, let me find it. I'm on the wrong room. You have a four out of six chance of uh, getting out with a lot of points.
1: Okay, I'll take it
0: okay roll the dash one you got out with 750 points dun, 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 dun. so total that is uh 910 right okay, but I'm not out I'm still on the dun- I'm still in the dungeon right? Yeah, you can go again. Okay, so I wake up from being poisoned by the frogs. <laughs> i I look in the I look in the reflection of the green water. I think I look fire. And I'm literally fire because uh-huh. my jacket's still on fire. Right. I can't check the odds of anything, right? You are allowed to check the odds uh four times. Four times? Right. Why haven't I have been doing that? I, don't know. I would like to check the odds of the boat with the red X. The boat has a two out of six chance of getting you across to the treasure right two out of six remember you also can use somebody's equipment too or your own if you think any of those would help you everybody's equipment's gone charlotte has the phones and i have the i have the shepherd's cane um so unless i bought it from charlotte which i the only thing i can buy charlotte would be her mouse well
1: the mouse went with me it's in my pocket
0: Oh, sorry, Guthrie, over there. I don't ah. the rules. As, well, you literally <laughs> did. Um, <clears throat> and then, Oh, yeah, you do have a two out of six chance to get across with, across with that boat. Okay, I'd like to check the odds with the propeller hat real quick. For <laughs> you you automatically lose 60 points for stupidity and have a one out of six <laughs> chance of getting across
2: i'm spinning it (laughs) it yeah i was trying to fly across but it does sound like danny shayball would do that i'm gonna try it i think that is good haircut would work i'm gonna try the
0: propeller hat all right go for it one
2: so you fell in
0: and lost 60 points oh what happens i'm gonna give you one more shot to get out am i in the water yeah you're in the water (laughs) okay
1: fire out now
0: that's true, I'm not on fire. Do That's I get good. any points from that? No. Okay. You never, <laughs> you I'm never lost points for catching on fire. That was just scene setting. <laughs> I'm, I guess I'll... The only, so the only things in this room is Pillar Hat, the boat, and the poison frog. And the crown. You and the crown. Oh, and the crown. Can I, mm-hmm. Let me check the odds on the crown. The crown, you have a five out of six chance of getting out with points. Uh, it is not a ton of points. Can I... Hook the shepherd's cane around the frog and drag it out. I guess you could do that. Sure. Okay, I'll try that. That's. A, I mean, I didn't think of that, but that sounds legit. Let me let me match that with the the action of using the crook for what else she would have done, which would have been three out of six. So I'll give you a fair three out of six chance. Okay. Two. You made it out. Yes. You made it out with Jorge. That was clever. <laughs> and you got 1,200 points. So Zach won with 1,237. And Sharon yes! came in second with 910. <laughs> <laughs> and that's after I got poisoned and died.
1: And way too many chances. <laughs>
0: well, he did just cut his hair and look really fire. Yeah, I didn't want that to go to waste. Andy's well, that would have. Yeah, I wanted my my. Uh, hey. <laughs> I wanted Danny wanted his picture in the newspaper with this poison frog, and it ended up in the newspaper. But that's no way to get your face in the newspaper. He also ended up in the newspaper from when he got shot, slash turned into a science fair project, slash won the science fair. Right? Like he's got a, a blue ribbon on his chest. <laughs> you know what? What if theory theory? What if Daniel, the fat kid who cuts his lawn, was competing in the science fair project oh. and needed. He couldn't make a paper mache volcano, so he used Danny instead. And he also had a gun. That's a good lead. We'll have to <laughs> I'll have to send that over to Tibbins.
1: What if like what if the shooting was just a total accident? Like it was it wasn't murder. Right,
0: like Danny was playing with a gun by himself. <laughs> yeah, it could have been suicide, did we think of that? <laughs> well, it wasn't suicide, it was not an accident. accident.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, we should follow up <laughs> with I feel
1: t- like he participated in the Science Fair project like, you know, willingly. Of course,
0: he's a loving guy. I think we should ask
1: there to keep him from like, you know, like shooting off to the side whenever they did the experiment. They needed to keep him.
2: (laughs) That's because it it was two gallons of vinegar after all. Three. Three. Oh, it was
0: three. Not that I was there. (laughs) (laughs) You've just read the update. Right. And I I do think though that it's important for us to give this information to uh, Sergeant Tibbins that we should probably talk with Daniel. To try to find this out and we should probably uh, inquire on how his haircut looked at the time of his death to see if anything changed if he visited a barber or not because we know what happened uh, in egypt and at the science fair incident but what happened in between right that's the question
1: he now got lost went to subway and didn't do his job that's what happened
0: you're just you're just speculating miss marple he definitely went to Subway. <laughs> well, we know that. That's a given. <laughs> he went to Subway. That's just human nature. He tried to pay with the poison frog. <laughs> and then touched it and died. Because <laughs> they, they wear <laughs> gloves. <laughs> so they were fine. We're going to solve this, guys. And if, and if our fans have any insights on it, please, you could. Oh, I wanted to announce we have an Instagram page now. You can comment. <laughs> that on was a hard cut. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: can comment on the Instagram page.
0: Any of the posts, you could direct message us on if you have any information or any theories about Danny Chabon. I feel like there'll be more clues coming up. Remember the clues. His bad haircut, uh, the lamina- laminated lyrics to If You Could Read My Mind Love, or You Can Read My Mind Love,
2: Babe. babe no,
1: no, no. Both
0: <laughs> by, <laughs> no, You Can Read <laughs> My Mind, Babe. Both by Gordon Lightfoot. uh, and the fat kid named Daniel. So... <laughs> That's this episode. Next time, we're going to be reading Murder in the Muse by Agatha Christie.
1: Yes, we are.
0: (laughs) We hope to see you then. And please, listeners at home, hear our plea for justice. Avenge Danny. Danny (laughs) Bye!
1: R.I.P.
2: If you could read my mind, babe. If I could figure out how to stop recording,
3: there we go. You could read my mind, love. What a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well. In a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet, you know that ghost is me. I'll walk away like a movie star who gets burned in a three-way script. Enter number two. A movie queen to play the scene of bringing all the good things out in me. But for now, love, let's be real. Never thought I could act this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back If you could remind my love what a tale my thoughts could tell Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark, Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet And stories always end If you read between the lines, you'll know that I'm just trying to understand The feelings that you lack I never thought I could feel this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back (laughs) I'm not know, I'm not